This is a recording of the sermon for the snow day of December 1st and 2nd, 2018. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and before I go into the sermon, here is a recording of Savior of the Nations Come from the band Koine. The text for the sermon this day is taken from the Gospel lesson, which is Luke chapter 21, which writes, Jesus said, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. 
for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power in great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them the parable, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leave, you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things take place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So this weekend, so I'm recording this. It is 6.18 p.m. December 1st, 2018. Which means, as of 18 minutes ago, Advent, the season of Advent has begun. Advent is a season that in our popular culture, it has been overshadowed by the secular celebrations of Christmas. And the thing is, is because it is as enormously popular as it is, the secular celebration of Christmas it has, has kind of encouraged Christians to abandon Advent as well. But Advent is a season that is not without merit and without value. The season of Advent has been celebrated since the 4th century. It has been, and the purpose of Advent can be summed up in these three phrases. Christ has come, Christ is come, and Christ will come again. So what does that mean? Let's begin with Christ has come. Yes, Christ has come. Go all the way back. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve had fallen into sin. And it was pronounced that they were going to die. That they are dust and to dust they shall return. God gave a promise to Adam and Eve, these people who have begun the destruction of the paradise that he created, these people who blamed him for their sin, he gave a promise that the offspring of the woman, Eve, her offspring would crush the serpent's head. Well, it wasn't Cain or Abel, or Seth, who were that offspring. But the promise remained. 
The promise would be restated through Abraham. It would be restated through Isaac, through Jacob, through Moses, through King David, through Solomon. And all throughout the Old Testament, the promise was repeated over and over and over. That Jesus, who is that the that the offspring of Eve would come. And then in then there was this woman, this 13 to 15 year old girl, who lived in the town of Nazareth, and she got the news from the angel Gabriel that she was pregnant with a child, even though she was a virgin. And she would give birth to this child in Bethlehem. And that child would rise up and be a great teacher and preacher. He would do miracles. But he would also die on a cross. Be humiliated, rejected, abandoned. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. For that child of Mary, the child of the virgin. He is the offspring who had crushed the serpent's head. He is the promised Messiah, the promised Christ. For the Lord has kept his, had kept his word. That is what it means we say Christ has come. Christ has come, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Now, I'm not going to say this. Now, the second one is Christ is come, but I'm going to come back to that. Third is we say Christ will come again. We. The season of Advent, okay, so I want you to go back all the way to Ascension Day, which I believe, if I remember correctly, was, I think, May 10th or 11th or something like that. 40 days after Easter is the day of Ascension. And after the, in many churches, once the gospel lesson was spoken, the Christ candle was extinguished. And it has been extinguished since that date, unless there's a baptism. And the candle has stood there unlit. And it's symbol on the one hand, and that candle will not be lit again until after the reading of the gospel on Christmas Day. The candle, when it was first extinguished, began the countdown to Christmas. And when you get in, it is today, but this Advent, this weekend, that many church, our churches have an Advent wreath now around that same candle. And on it are four candles. There's the candle of peace, the candle of hope. So the candle of hope, the candle of peace, the candle of joy, and the candle of love. One lit each Sunday. It's 
the reason it's a, a circle is because it's like a clock. It is ticking down the time to when we celebrate that festive day of Christmas. The candles are purple, a color of repentance. And the reason is, is because Advent is, yes, we are on the one hand anticipating the Christmas celebration. On the other hand, it is a foreshadowing. It is a shadow of the greater anticipation that we are living through every day of our lives. The anticipation that has existed since <coughs> the original ascension. Since Jesus ascended into heaven on that mountain, we have been anticipating his return. So last month, as the church year came to an end, we focused on the reality that the world is coming to an end. The season of Advent is a reminder that when all things come to an end, Christ will return. And so a season of repentance is what we celebrate. A season of getting our minds and our hearts in the right place. Namely, that we would focus beyond ourselves and onto Christ our Lord and upon our neighbor. There is a practice amongst many Christians of this season to fast. They make the decision not to eat any lunch, any supper, or something like that, some type of a fast. They give up one meal a day or maybe a couple meals a week. They do some type of fasting. And during that time that they would normally be eating and preparing the food, they would be in prayer. They would be in scripture. And the money that they would save by not eating, they would give to those in need. The, again, the whole idea is focusing our heart and our mind upon Christ. To take our attention off of our needs, off of our wants, off of our desires, and setting our hearts and minds upon Christ our Lord. Readying our hearts and our minds for the day that he returns. Which we don't know when that may come. It will come, like, but it will come like a thief in the night. You do not know. Therefore, we are to be prepared. We are, as Jesus said, to keep watch. Stay, he says, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place, to stand before the Son of Man. The season of Advent is a season to remind us to do these very things, to prepare our minds for when Christ will return. Now, the, on, the key, on that wreath, there's a rose candle. It's kind of odd, I know. But that rose candle is a mixture of the violet, which is the season, color of the season, and the white of the Christ candle, which is the color of Christmas. The rose candle lets you, reminds you that we are almost to Christmas. 
but it's also a reminder to you that the kingdom of God is not as far as we may think. The third, then there is the final phrase of Advent. Christ shall come, Christ is come. Christ still comes to us. <clears throat> we live in a broken, weary world. We live in a world where during this secular season of Christmas, we are wearied. Right now, the reason I'm recording this in my apartment, and this is not being recorded while I'm preaching in the pulpit, is because we had this storm. Most, most of our town, our area is pretty much immobilized with the ice and the snow and the wind and all that. And so that creates a burden, a stress. We're going to have to get to shovel some wet, heavy snow. At least many of you will. We are stressed by the things that come with Christmas, the secular Christmas celebration. We're trying to think about our plans for that day that is to come. What are we going to get for gifts and presents for everyone? What are we going to eat for food? What are we going to prepare for food? What are we going to do? What, where are we going to celebrate Christmas? Are we going to go there? Are we going to stay here? Will weather cooperate when we go there? Or if they stay, come here? Can we get the house ready or apartment ready? Do we have enough food? Do we have enough places for people to stay if need be? We're going to be, we have so much we think about that we need to get done. So we get weary, we're tired, we're exhausted. And that doesn't include the things that come with the end of the calendar year, end of the year budgets, the end of the year planning. This is a year with so much stress, time of the year that's always so stressful. And that doesn't even count. The, the everyday stresses. People still get sick. Maybe even a little bit more this time of the year. We still struggle in our finances. We still struggle in our relationships. We still are experiencing death. I mean, just yesterday, President George H.W. Bush passed away. We are reminded of our mortality day in, day out. There are so many people that are lonely. And in this season, that loneliness is greatly increased. And so God, our Lord, gives us the promise that Christ does come. For Jesus is, so for as it says in John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. The word is Christ. And every time you hear his, the word proclaimed to you, every time you hear it preached, every time you read the scriptures, Christ comes to you. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians that everyone who has, put, has been baptized into Christ has put on Christ, or more literally, been clothed in Christ. 
when you were but a little child, the pastor says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Or maybe you were an adult. No matter when it would happen, when those words were said over you, Christ came to you in your baptism. You were clothed in Christ. Now, one of the downsides today is, again, is of us not being able to have the normal service. Is that today, this weekend, we would have had communion. Now, some of you would think, might think, sit there and think, well, I could just pull out some bread, pull out some wine, pastor, and then I could, you know, me, as I'm recording this, I could just read the words of institution, and that would count. But no, it wouldn't. That is not communion. Communion does not just require bread and wine, but it also requires your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just your biological brothers and sisters, but your brothers and sisters by the blood of Jesus. See, there in your neighbor is Christ. Christ comes to you in the presence of in your brother or sister in Christ. But a very especially, indeed, the supper. When you receive that bread, Jesus said, Take, eat, this is my body. When he took the cup, he said, Take, drink, this is my blood. See, Jesus comes to us in the bread and in the wine. The body is in with and under the bread. The blood is in, with, and under the wine in a, way, in a mysterious manner that we cannot understand. But Christ comes to us. Why? Because as he said in that text today, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. See, he kept his word to Adam and Eve, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Mo Jacob, to Moses. He kept his word. Though thousands of years passed, he kept his word. And the offspring of Eve did indeed crush the serpent's head. Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, Lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He kept his word, <clears throat> as he comes to you in the in the proclamation of the word, as he comes to you in his in the waters of baptism, as he comes to you in the Lord's Supper, Christ is with you. He is with you in this wearisome, tiring world. He is with you in which he gives you strength to endure this world. His word has not passed away. 2,000 years later, it is still coming to you. It is still strengthening you. And he will keep his word still. That no matter how, that yes, things are going to get worse and worse. There's going to be wars and rumors of war. The sun will cease to give its light. Sun, there will be signs of the sun and moon and stars 
and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming into on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things take place, begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is here. His word, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word hasn't, doesn't, and never will pass away. And he will come and take you into his eternal kingdom. I want to end with a little bit of a story. There's a story of a, back in World War I, 1914, Christmas Eve. The British and German soldiers were ceased firing. And had an unofficial ceasefire to celebrate Christmas Day. And there's stories of of British soldiers sitting there in the the troops in the trenches that hear off in the distance a German soldier singing a song they all knew. Even though they didn't know the words, they knew it was Silent Night. And within a few minutes, you would hear the words of a British soldier saying, All is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin. They'd hear that. And then one by one more would join in in these two armies that only hours before were at each other's throats or firing on each other are joining in this Christmas hymn. And the story has it that they went out into the no, into no man's land, which is where so many people died. And they picked up the bodies, they they buried them, and then they had a Christmas service together. Some even had communion together. They, <clears throat> they exchanged gifts from what they had. They even played a soccer game, which from what I understand, the Germans won. And the day after, days after the battle, they actually had to send these soldiers to other battlefields because they could no longer fight each other. So they saw each other not as enemies, but as brothers in Christ. I believe that story, though they probably had no idea of it when it happened, was but an image of what is in store for when Christ returns. As we live in a weary, tiresome world, where we are at each other's throats, where there is fear of another civil war. We remember that image, that day what happened in 1914, because it is a shadow of what is to come. For all these things, sickness, death, war, turmoil, storms, blistering heat, earthquakes, tornadoes, whatever, it is will all pass away. 
but Christ's word will not, and neither shall his kingdom, in which we shall dwell forever and ever, till all fighting ceases and his kingdom come, to Christ the King be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. As I leave you, I play another hymn from Koine, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending.
You shall raise.